This is Real Estate Team Builders, and I'm your host, Lars Hedenborg, the founder of Real Estate B-School. The real estate team building world is driven by big egos who boast about how many homes they've sold or how much GCI they've earned. We don't hear much about their low profit margins, the long hours they put in each week, or the unbearable stress they endure. In fact, I've discovered that most real estate teams are losing money when you consider the amount of personal production their owners must do to make ends meet. I believe that if you want to profitably scale your real estate team without working crazy hours, enduring unhealthy levels of stress, or coming up short at home, then thinking like a business owner, building sustainable systems, and empowering your team are absolute musts. You won't find any smoke and mirrors or hype here on my podcast just the real-world tools, systems, and strategies that work. So if you struggle to balance growing your real estate business with focusing on the areas of life that truly matter, then this show is for you. All right, on the podcast today, we have Dan Jones, who I have known since, I feel like 2013, 14. Uh, And this is a treat for us to dig into someone's business that has gone all the way from being a team member, actually on my real estate team, he got his license to join the large group back in the day to scaling his, his business to the one of, one of the most well-run businesses that I've had the privilege to consult into. Uh, Dan Jones, we're going to dig into this concept of like working like 10 men, which you were just beast mode in your business, working your butt off to teaching 10 men how to work. And that's what the the focus of the podcast is going to be on today. Um, Could you spend like a minute or two with like the summary version of the journey from being an agent on the large group to going on your own and scaling the business up? And then we'll get into the topic for today. Absolutely. So real briefly, thanks for having me. Yeah, I started a team in 2014 and literally created a bit of a mess. And 2015, joined Real Estate B School. And the goal that year was to to simplify, number one, uh, but to get to 100 deals uh, with the intention of getting to 175, 225, uh, and increase uh, year over year. So it was um, 2017 when I did step out of production um, and started coaching at a much higher level, recruiting and training, recruiting and training. Uh, until most recently, uh, we've developed three team leaders in regards just to scripting, holding our agents, holding our team accountable, recruiting, and just really building this thing out where the business doesn't run, doesn't need me to run. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think when I look at a lot of team leaders and even wannabe team leaders, they're not scaling because they're not able to reproduce themselves, right? You're, you're the best at every part of the business. And then you probably get to a point where you're just so sick of doing some parts of it and you, you hand them off and they're not continued at the same level. So um, I want to dive specifically into a, a few things that when you lo- look back on your journey, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to poke and prod you a little bit to get really deep on, on the tactics around going from a, an individual agent with a part-time administrator, you were selling about 60 to 65 homes a year. And then how do you go from, from there to this year, you're on pace to do 300 units. So um, break it down for us. You know, when you look back on the journey, how, what are the things that you identify as the the critical things that, uh, and you also coach into some of our uh, members' businesses. So now you have a, a different vantage point as well around the struggles, but what's the first thing that you, you think was 
you know, in, uh, in, in, inconsequential, like super important to make your journey what it was? Yeah, I think the very first thing it came down 2015, the word uh, was actually for two years ago, it was just to simplify, simplify, what can we simplify? And I know um, me personally, years ago, I tended to overcomplicate things. And I know when I joined B school, I had at least six, if not seven, eight, if you really want to call it, lead sources. So it was identifying what was the most profitable lead source um, and getting rid of everything else. Obviously, your sphere of influence, past clients, um, you know, yard signs, your normal stuff. But then what's the one lead source that in 2015 was going to get us from, you know, 60, 65 bills by myself to 100, then to 175. And when you look at that, it's what was the one script? If we're going with one lead source, what was the one script? And that's the one thing we practiced over and over and over until everyone, you know, could just basically say it in their sleep. But that was that was the first step is simplifying, you know, our lead source so we can become more profitable, so we can hire and scale, you know, implementing the economic model, you know, early on in the process. Um, so we could scale with the intention of how could I get rid of my business slowly year over year. So in 2016, I think I did, that was the last year I was like fully in production. My goal was to do 50 units by September because we went for three weeks to Europe uh, with my wife and um, I did 50 units. And at that point, my goal was 10 to 12 max in 2017, where I said, I'm done. I have two folks who can handle listings at a really high level. The rest of the team's rocking out buyer leads. Uh, and we were on pace for 225 that year is when I pulled the plug and said, you know what, full-time coach. Awesome. So I'm going to back you up and we're going to go deep on it. So when, and and you, you've presented at our event on this and you called it squeeze the lemon. I, I remember, you know, a picture of uh, literally of a lemon being, being squeezed. And if you've ever squeezed a lemon, like you can always get more juice out of it. And so you went down this path, like, and this is a scary thing, I think, for, for team leaders is to cut out lead sources. What was the process that we went through? How did we pick, you know, anything you were spending money on or spending effort on developing lead sources? Take us through the actual process that a team leader could apply to where they're spending money and how to cut out the things that might not be working. Yeah, so number one, it starts with good tracking. Uh, number one, know how many leads were coming in, what you converted, price points, average commission checks uh, per lead source. Um, we didn't have CT back in the day. We had the business uh, tracker, uh, which worked pretty well identifying those. But for us, I know just simply homes.com come to mind. It comes to mind first. It wasn't, I wasn't spending a lot, but it was 500 bucks a month. And uh, I remember you asked me, it's like, how many, how many of you closed from there? I'm like, I can't say a single one. And he's like, why do you have it? I'm like, it's only 500 bucks. You're like, yeah, it's only $500. So that was the first X. Then I think it was HUD Home Store. And I looked back and I used to write down all my closings and tracked, you know, handwritten uh, my lead sources. And I had closed two for 107,000 and 115. I was like, no, those are the two worst transactions ever. I forget what I was spending. It wasn't much. It was like three, 400 bucks. Um, but really just looking at, you know, and when it comes to, to bigger lead sources like Zillow, right? There, there, there is a benefit to have like some paid advertising through Zillow uh, to be a featured agent, for example, but just working with a lot of, you know, other teams and seeing these four or five, six, $7,000 budgets to see a maximum two and a half, three, three and a half to one return, you know, that's not going to, that's not, that's not scalable, number one. Number two, it's not going to be profitable. Um, so with that, it's just knowing the numbers so well 
like for example, this year, we are almost uh, owned to be 13 to one on a realtor.com leads. Not because realtor.com is the answer for everybody. It's because that's our number one lead source that we spend a lot of our you know, like marketing budget for those sort of leads, but we recycle them. There's a process, like it's really dialed in, but it's just the one lead source that we're probably going to do 1.1 million GCI this year, you know, on that one lead source. All right. So man, that brings up so much. Um, because we're we're in mostly the same market. I mean, we could say that you're north and I'm, you know, we we tried that same lead source in the same market, and I got like a two x return. And so, because I wasn't willing to do what you were willing to do, and so go a little bit when you talk about picking a lead source, because I agree with you. I don't think it's really Realtor.com. I think it's the fact that you committed to all the nuances and all the follow-up tactics and, and making sure that your agents say this one sentence and auditing it. And, and so talk a little bit about like, when you pick a lead source, how can you get from a guy like me that, and it, it wasn't a main lead source for us. We thought we were just going to test it, but two to three times in the same market, how are you nine to 13 times? What, what, what are the few things that you do differently that allow you to drive your returns, even in a comp, uh, not, um, competitive, you know, pay-per-click environment, how are you able to drive returns up so high? There's a few things. So number one, uh, we do track all of our realtor.com. We don't get a lot of Zillow leads, but a few, just enough, mostly on our listings. Um, but we do track every single lead. For example, was it called a call logged in the first 10 seconds, right? Were there four calls notated in the first hour? right, was text one sent out within the first minute, right? So a VA goes in and audits every single lead on a daily basis, right? So it comes with the accountability. So if you're on our team and you get that email saying like, hey, you know, three out of your four leads last night, these these type of leads weren't called within the first like minute, what happened, right? It doesn't take long, right? As long as there's some encouragement around there. So when it does happen, we're high-fiving, um, you know, and it's the same script, right? It's the same script over and over and over. And it's, you know, for us, we offer the appointment up front. Why? We don't know if they're qualified and I'm okay doing that. We can take the appointment away, turn it into a virtual con consultation. We can turn the appointment into a date with one of our in-house lenders. You know, there's, there's several different options. Now, when it comes to like a certain lead source, there's usually three, four, maybe five objections that you're going to hear consistently. And it's practicing those objections over and over and over. For example, I have an agent, right? 80% of people in the world don't really have an agent. They just say that to get you off the phone. And if you can build a mindset around that with your team, they said they have an agent. We have some easy questions for them, right? So a little bit more difficult, a little bit more challenging. And we have a good shot at re, like revisiting that lead as well. So this has been key for us as well around the scripting and just recycling leads is they told us they have an agent. We send it to somebody else on the team or ISA team gets it the following day. A month, two months later, we tag it. It gets thrown back into the dialer. So we're making a list for one of our agents. We're not going to give them 50 people who have, I have an agent. We give them some of the new stuff. Some of the people said, I have an agent. Some people who said no longer interested, right? But with that, you continue talking to these folks and it's just a general open script from there, right? So you reached out to us not so long ago, Lars. We weren't able to connect. Just wanted to see, you know, if you're still looking for a good deal. 
and just open up an LP monomer conversation. That's a total different conversation, but it's just practicing these like two and three things just over and over uh, in recycling leads. Because people tell you I'm not interested in two, three months, they are interested. We had one in May of last year said not interested, not interested. I think it was October, November, we spoke to them, went under contract in March for 700K. Like not interested three times in a row, 700 under contract. You guys That's follow awesome. up really well. That's the feedback. It's just that consistency in having one person in charge of recycling leads, putting them back into the dialer uh, for folks to call. Yeah, and, and looking for those immediate dollars, I think is the kiss of death with, and anytime you spend money for someone else to generate a lead for you, which is essentially what we're willing to do with Zillow or realtor.com. And I, I'm often said to be the guy that's just anti-paid lead gen. I, I am totally paid lead gen for Dan Jones. Like I think Dan Jones, like you could give him your money and let him spend money in our market and pay you some referral fees because he's so good at the system to make sure that that investment turns into like more than 10 times. So our model calls for a 10x return on any dollar you spend. And most agents aren't willing to recycle. And, and you said 10 seconds to log a call. Yeah. 10 seconds. Yeah. And in the first, how many minutes do they have to log four calls? 10 minutes? Four calls in the first hour, four texts in the first yeah. hour. The first two calls within five and so, minutes. So yeah, if, if, you're, if you're paying any dollars for lead sources and you don't have all of this built in and audited and, and you're just missing the game, it, it brings up uh, what I think is your number two point around how you're able to make this transition from top player, like top player in, in real estate into a coach and now scaling your business without scaling your hours it's this, this accountability and the cadence. Uh, can you kind of dig into that a little bit? What does that look like for your team? Where have you maybe failed and figured some things out? And what are you running right now? Yeah, I think I'll start with the failure first. I think where we failed is even as agents get two, three, four years on the team, we often think, well, they don't need the accountability. They don't need the structure. That's wrong. Most team, almost probably all team members out there who've been on a team or with a team, who've had that weekly cadence of just check-ins, you know, let's talk about your set, met, sign, your written, your closed, um, have those conversations. We have a, um, we call it like a lead cheat sheet where we can go in and it, one of our virtual assistants has all your leads and shows who's opening up the alerts, who's doing what, and basically feeds into a scorecard. Uh, we didn't have that back in 15, 16, 17, right? We focused on just a handful of categories on a weekly basis of just set, met, signed. But the beauty of it is, is as this continues to scale, right, and you get more and more folks who are doing what they need to do, you know, you have other people who can do and handle the accountability, right, who can, and then the culture around the accountability, it's people want it, you know, and they, they want to be pushed, they want to be driven, they want to be encouraged, right, so it's just that weekly, you know, accountability of, you know, how, how'd your week go, let's talk about your set, met, sign, your written, your clothes, what's on your books, what's your pipeline look like? you know, what do you need help with? Right. Yeah. So, so let's maybe be helpful. Um, I struggled with this, uh, as a team leader, how, what, what is a, a really good agent one-on-one -on -one look like? So, so how do you, without, you know, dragging people in their businesses, how do you run a one-on-one? -on -one? What's the cadence? What's the frequency of that? So we like to do, so every other one or every third, depending on like the month, how busy we are, you know, we let them pull up their lead cheat sheet, 
right? That shows they're a snapshot of their boom town, right? How many people have logged in in the last 30 days? Who they've spoken to? Just talk to me about it. These three, four, four or five people are hot. So it takes the burden necessarily just off of our plate to, to lead a good one-on-one. Um, oftentimes, um, Sri does some of these. It's just a simple check-in. I do a quarterly check-in on goals as that weekly um, accountability. Uh, we just have a 30-minute goal session and we talk about the goals that they started the previous, uh, the beginning of the year, and we go over those on a quarterly basis. Uh, so this is, there's definitely different cadences. And if we introduce, so for example, um, I'm not gonna say the lead source because people are gonna be like, oh my God, I gotta try that. Uh, but there was a lead source recently that we got uh, got a listing from and then a buyer that just came because they, they put us on their website. So I paid, um, I was like, you know, it's already paid for itself. Let's go ahead and do the year. That's fair, got them down a little bit on the price. And um, having everyone like really go into that script and using you know that time for, okay, let's talk about that this lead source. Sure, we are opportunity time. Did you really understand and practice? But in general, it's set, met, signed, written, closed. Tell me about your book of business, you know, and let, let them talk, right? Where do you need help? What do you need help with? Yeah. And I wish it was something different. Like I wish you could make it more glamorous and you can, I mean, when you're coaching a salesperson in any industry, some somehow like the basic business practices seem to escape real estate because the industry really kind of doesn't teach the reality of the, of the business, right? We don't learn it in real estate school. And a lot of the coaching programs out there are not teaching like, you know, set, met, sign. So, so let's talk about your numbers. How many appointments did you set this week? How many did you actually meet? And how many that you met did you actually sign? So, so talk a little bit. Um, well, I don't know if there's much to talk about with it, but just make sure everyone understands set met sign and, and how you ran it when you were, you ran that as a solo agent, right? Just keeping yourself accountable. hundred percent. I knew my numbers, especially on the list side, how many people I was getting in front of, even if they were thinking about signing three to six months, just to get in front of them to build a rapport and play the long-term follow-up game. Um, there, there is nothing sexy about set met signed. Um, I will say, I remember having a call with, uh, with Dave Hook. And uh, I want to say it was about 2016. And he's like, uh, what do I need to do to start this whole set met sign? Like this, the, the culture of it, like literally on huddle every single day, high five, give awards out, uh, whatever that looks like for you guys. But uh, and I forget, they did some pretty cool things around it, but it's that simple. It's, it's just over and over and building a culture around, you know, set that sign and written and closed. That's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and, it, and here's the thing, and you probably agree with me. If you're, if you, you don't have that language in your business and you're running a team, I don't even think you're in the game. Like I, I literally, the, the only numbers that matter are set met signed and granted you want to sign a buyer. And in this market, as we're recording this, the market, it's super tricky to even have a bunch of signed buyers. And there, there are some other tactics now, but written and closed, I mean, are, are the other numbers, but um, I don't even think you're in the game if you're not tracking that and you're not holding your agents accountable to that. Anything else around accountability? Uh, actually, I'm going to ask you this question because I, I challenge you on this when you, you had a tough time because you were running, you know, you were building a business and you were still selling 60 homes. So you're, you're bringing people into the business. You're still selling a lot of real estate. You have a high capacity. You're up at early o'clock. You know, you're in CrossFit, like you're just a, you're a high capacity, high performer. And you sort of got a little annoyed at agents in your world that couldn't like do X deals. 
I don't even know the answer to this, but have you come to like a, a standard, a minimum standard requirement, how important it is, what it's meant in your business? Yeah. And I was telling somebody about this earlier. Um, I actually had a zoom right before this and she said, what are, what are, what are, your, what are your weaknesses? And I was like, that's a good question. And it's kind of what you're getting to right now. It's um, I had expectations for people and um, my expectations often were their expectations and I had to come to the simple realization, like we have to have a, a minimum standard for our team. And then everyone's different from there that I wanted everybody to sell 40 and 50 houses. Otherwise I thought you were not good, not, not good, but just come on. I know you got it in you. Let's do it. I had to drop the standard to say like, okay, I'm personally okay. And I, and I think Tara, Tara Limber and uh, Misty on for this one, uh, they're like, what's wrong with someone who sells 24 to 30 houses? They're a good culture fit. You know, and, and it took me, and I remember Thomas Elrod over here saying like, no, you need 40, 50, like no way, no way. And oh, over the years, I went from a crazy person to a more realist. And why can't you have a team of eight, nine, 10 agents selling 30 and some will sell 40 and 50 and 60, but not everybody wants that. So it's a self-realization. And it took us all 12, 18 months to, to like, okay, we're not all the same, right? And I accept you for who you are. <laughs> and you're a good person still. But if you sell 28 houses in your first year on our team, that's a win. Because the average agent won't sell more than four or five in our market. Probably less than that now with so many agents coming to the market, that number's going down. That it, it is, you know, but 30 is still a reasonable number. Like you will hit 30 deals are really close, especially first year, there's a little giveaway, not much, but we need to be on 30 moving forward. So that's, um, that's what we did. And uh, I agree a little bit more with, uh, a lot more with Misty and Tara something like that but um yeah and, and I, I guess i'll add this it doesn't give anyone a pass on your high standards for accountability of leads so if someone's going to do 60 units on your team and they're doing most of it from from your lead sources and someone's going to do 30 on your team mostly from your lead sources they they still have to do the same activities and the same accountabilities. And so it's just that one person doesn't want to work as hard as the other person, but there's still a culture fit. Can you talk about that a little bit at all? Yeah. So we do have an ISA team that we can reward folks a little bit more who want to do the extra work, who want to sell a few more houses, who's going to, you know, lead the pack, lead the team with sales. So everybody's still kind of chasing and uh, we will reward folks, um, you know, a little bit more so, but everyone does, um, new business development, two hours a day, right? As team members get further along in our system, we allow them to dial from the house, dial, it used to be from the office, right? And over the years, I just understand that's not feasible for everyone's situation, that if you're hitting your, you know, three written on a monthly basis, we see you're doing your dials, right? Because we're not going to hit you with 12 or 14, 15 appointments from our ISA team on a monthly basis. We're not built for that. We're only running two with a possible third every once in a while everyone still does their prospecting, right? So if someone who's sold 28, 29 houses in their first year, we have another first year agent who sold 45 and they're, they're just hungry and driven, the ISA team's gonna feed them a little bit more, you know, because they, they want to do it. And for, for the most part, um, what I have learned over the years is if you're gonna have an ISA team, there's a lot of things that go into that before, um, but just not, we don't allow anyone to know where the appointments are going. Right. It's just simple fact. We don't like announce like, oh, you got three appointments, you got six, you got five, you know, because it breeds jealousy and, you know, but that's a whole nother ballgame in itself. But we will reward the hungry. 
Yeah. And on the large group, we, we called it feed the hungry, but not in a way like you're hungry because you can't make your own commission checks. Like you're hungry because you want to perform at a high level. Yeah. Um, so, so, so let's transition a little bit and you, you covered some of this um, culture, hiring, core values, D dig into that. If there's anything I've learned the most and failed the most on, it's around, you know, that, that one area of culture and core, core values. So dig into that a little bit and uh, we'll probably end up on that. No, it's fair. So I think we've all made some bad hires in our time. Um, I think it's just learning and being very um, intentional about who we bring into our world, world and knowing what we want and being very clear around those expectations. And I think personally, you know, for me talking to a new person to the team, it's them understanding like getting to 30 deals is not easy in your first year, especially if you have zero spirit, right? And tell them how difficult and how bad it's going to suck to be on the phone just over and over and over and doing the same things, but it will be rewarding in year two, three, and four, you know, to get up for that. So I think just, you know, around the culture fit is just being so transparent about how hard it's going to be and how rewarding it's going to be. Um, and for example, a good example, a bad hire would be, we had somebody last year on our team, overall is a decent culture fit, but he just did not have the capacity to do what we needed him to do, right? And he's a great salesperson, uh, but especially when COVID hit, he turned into a full-time full -time dad, two kids, you know, mom's nowhere to be found and uh, other obligations. And we kind of knew that from the beginning, right? So just the effort and the amount of time coaching somebody up over, it's about a nine, 10 month period, you know, who would have known what would have happened with COVID, but it still, it was very difficult for him, right? Did we need to take a chance like that where we had other applicants, you know? So some people would say like, oh, that's a win because he did sell, I want to say like 22, 23 houses in a short period of time, but we're, we're looking to, to invest in long-term relationships, right? And then other people, for example, who, um, who just didn't have the personality and the drive. And this was an earlier on mistake, especially hiring people. Sorry if you're high S, high C out there, but I'm not saying you can't do what it's required, but most of the time, like a very high S and a high C, it just takes them so far out of their personality to do what's required. I'm not saying that they can't, but if they do, there needs to be a really big why. You know, most of the time, some sort of financial why, like why I have to go do this. And once the financial box has, box has been checked, there's two exceptions we had on our team. They both checked out. Good people, Kim, who's with us still, um, another young lady. But once they hit their financial goal, they checked out, right? So that, in my opinion, just identifying what is a bad hire and who doesn't have the longevity because it is time consuming. There's nothing worse where like you train somebody for, for a year to find out like, yeah, we hit our financial goal. You know, I don't need to work anymore because all our debt's paid off. And my husband's you know, like, so we're, we're breaking up now. Some of the things around culture is just a simple language around set, met, sign, written, close. Like even this weekend, I did a, you know, simple contest around there's three opportunity shifts on Saturday, three Sunday, team Saturday versus team Sunday, and one point for uh, appointment set, two for a contract, and they finished at eight to seven. So making it competitive, but it's just around appointment set and what did you write over the weekend, you know? Um, so it, it's, it's a culture not just around your core values, but the simple things, prospecting, set that sign, prospecting, set that sign. Yeah, I love that. To, to pick a little bit on core values, this is an often 
misapplied or maybe even misunderstood sort of, it can easily become a thing that goes in the wall and like a, a theoretical sort of thing. Um, maybe give us an example of a couple of your core values that are just non-negotiable. Like we have just failed because we talked ourselves into believing this person had this or that. And like, it's almost like there are a couple that every agent coming on a team needs to have these, but what are a couple that, that you've seen that you've overlooked and it hasn't worked out well or things that you, you know how to look for and how do you look for them? Yeah. The positive energies are number one. Um, you got to be positive in our world because a lot of the stuff that we do is not fun. Right. And we had somebody who's with me for quite a while that the negative energy and just this, you owe me something, not me personally, but this team, this organization owes me something um, that 20% of the time, that negative energy and the impact it had on everyone else. Um, and one of my weaknesses is letting go, waiting a little bit too long to let go uh, in part ways. Um, so the, the team knew it and just waiting, you know, in the, the unhealthy um, feelings that everyone had. And it, it was just, it's just bad. And then and we've had a couple of people in the client experience part, just with the lack of communication and not everyone on the sell side is going to be just awesome at communication with past clients, but having not even past clients with current clients, uh, but just having that standard of communication and Hey, like they text you, like, but we shouldn't have to do that. Right. So the people we're looking for, you know, essentially, could you have a high D person like the high? I? Maybe, but we're looking for that seven, eight people who are not afraid to, to open up and communicate. Um, but in my opinion, like probably one of the bigger, bigger ones is just having a growth mindset and not just for real estate, but to be a better person just in life in general. And during the interview process, we have several questions that kind of gear towards that. What are your goals in five years? What's the, you know, hard, the most impactful job you've ever done? Tell me about, you know, some instances. Um, so just really making sure because we're moving in a direction where, you know, we're growing our team. I never wanted to grow more than 10, 11 agents, but we're growing to, you know, 18, 20 agents over the next three years with the um, intention, all profits over X, what we're currently doing, we're going to go to impact lives here locally within the community, right? So the current team that we have, they eat it up and they love it because we identified them as growth mindset people and wanting to impact lives. That's when it comes down to core values and you know you've hit some home runs. And I wish I could raise my hand and say I did all that. But there's four people that go through the interview process that, you know, they'll say no in a heartbeat. They're not a core, core value, not 100%. Yeah, so. to, to, run a, to run a real estate team properly with like a world-class client experience focus where you're, everyone is sort of accountable and willing to do the work. Um, it's going to take a big investment of time and energy. And I think that's part of the reason why you have a tough time letting people go is because you've really given them, you know, a part of you. And it's like a child, like, you know, even if your child's an a-hole, you're like, you're still my child. Like, I don't want to let you go. Um, but to do this at the, at the highest level requires that you, um, you, you, you really dig into your core values and you're willing to, to live and die by them. Yeah. Um, any, any parting thoughts, you know, you, you're a guy that I have just tremendous respect for. You've helped out our community uh, quite a bit. Some of our, even our bigger teams, you know, you mentioned that um, looking at your lead sources and really digging in, like, it's almost like when you said that, like, since when was $500, not a lot of money, 
you know, like, but in real estate, it's like, it's only $500. It only cost me $10,000 up front to hire this person that's going to set appointments for me. Like we've all made those mistakes, but any parting thoughts uh, on this conversation, any words of wisdom for someone that's either like just starting out building a team or they're in the thick of it. And some of these things are probably hitting them like, you know, jabs and punches across the face because they don't have these things set up properly. What, what are your words of wisdom for them? Gives me chills to think about it. So we, we focus a lot in B school just on the 3190 and the importance of the 3190. Um, you think what you're doing as an independent agent is really difficult. Wait until you have to do what you're doing as an independent agent, plus recruiting, training, onboarding. And if you don't have like a three-year vision, right? So the vision is whoever's listening to you. That is your part, right? And what I got from B-School, B-School was the clarity on how to get to my vision, right? We've reset our three-year vision um, around what we call BAM, uh, Businesses and Ministry, and giving back like big dollars back to the community. Um, but if I didn't have... 2016 through 2019, early part of 2020, if I didn't have that vision of where we were going to wake up to, to get me out of bed, right? And then really leverage B-School to give me the clarity on step-by-step on what needs to happen to get there. Um, It's just diving in and just understanding where you're going and who's going to help me get the clarity to get there, right? And uh, without the vision, um, this is all a lot more difficult. Yeah. Awesome. That's uh yeah. Proverbs, what is it? 27, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. And I, I think that's like the, the, the team builder and their people, you know, if, if you're not painting this exciting vision for your people, it's, it's never gonna, you're going to be dragging this thing through every day and it's heavy and you add more people to it and it just gets heavier, you know? So uh, I love you, brother. I appreciate your time. This was a lot of wisdom. If you're, if you're listening or watching this, this is one that you have to go back to the beginning, get out your notebook and your journal and pick out, there's probably a dozen like just truths in here and words of wisdom and nuggets that you need to apply to your business. So I appreciate you, brother. Anytime, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Would you please take a minute to share the show with other team leaders who may be struggling? And if you love the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to learn step-by-step how to build a profitable real estate team that allows you to get out of the real estate grind and live the lifestyle you've been dreaming about, visit us at joinrebs.com. That's joinrebs.com. Our coaching, training systems, and support will help you get more high-quality leads, increase your conversions and sales, improve your client experience, and allow you to scale your real estate business all while reducing the amount of hours you work and the stress you endure. Just go to joinrebs.com for more info now. See you on the next episode.